You're listening to 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms, Episode 167, How to Accept When Your Partner Doesn't Speak Your Love Language. Welcome to 3 and 30, a podcast for moms who want to create more meaning in motherhood. Each 30-minute episode will feature three doable takeaways for you to try at home with your family this week. I'm your host, Rachel Nielsen. Thank you so much for being here. Do you and your partner speak the same love language? My husband Ryan and I do not. I am a words of affirmation girl. I love them. I need them. Ryan, on the other hand, is a man of very few words. He craves quality time. When we were dating, we were smitten and, of course, went above and beyond to speak each other's love language. He wrote me love letters, and I relished in spending quality time with him on our date nights and every moment I could possibly find. One of my fond memories from that time is going for nightly jogs together under the stars of our college town. It was kind of a perfect balance for our needs because it was quality time together to suit him, but he also had to do all the talking because I couldn't breathe while I was trying to keep up with him. So he talked to me and filled my cup, and I spent time with him and filled his cup. I recently said to Ryan, I feel bad about how much I've changed since we got married. You thought you were marrying a girl who was really active and into exercising with you, and that is not at all the way it's turned out. He thought about that for a few seconds, and then he shrugged and said, eh, it's okay. When we were dating, you thought I was good at words of affirmation, and when was the last time I wrote you a love letter? So it turns out that we both pulled the bait and switch on each other. Can any of you relate to that? <laughs> Marriage is so different from dating, and the ways that we speak love to our partner may change as we change and as our life responsibilities change over the years. It can be easy to take each other for granted or to even start resenting our spouse for the ways that we perceive them as falling short of the ideal that we had in our mind when we were dating. As we head into the month of February, I thought I would pull this episode from the archives and re-air it because it's one of my favorites that I hope might help us all to see our partners with more grateful eyes as we head into what I always think of as sort of Valentine's month or the month of love. I want to say up front that the takeaways in this episode are applicable for those who are in mostly happy relationships to people who treat them well, even though a bit of resentment or too much familiarity may have crept in. I wouldn't give the same advice to someone who's in a marriage that's deeply struggling or who has a partner who consistently cuts them down or mistreats them. In that case, I would always recommend a professional counselor and just send you so much love and encouragement as you navigate this. One of our longtime podcast sponsors, BetterHelp, does offer online marriage therapy, so you can always go to betterhelp.com slash 3 and 30 if you recognize that this is something you want or need for your marriage. Please just know that you are not alone, and I'm sending you all of my love. Speaking of podcast sponsors, I'm so excited to announce this month's partner, which is a company I have loved for years, and I am absolutely thrilled to be introducing them to the 3 and 30 community, and that is Tubby Todd Bath Company. Tubby Todd was created with sensitive skin babies in mind. Each bath product that they sell is made with clean ingredients and works hard to nourish, hydrate, and condition skin from head to toe. I'm telling you, we love these bath products at our house. My kids' favorites are the bubble bath and the hair and body wash, and my favorite for my kids and for myself is the all-over ointment, which heals even the toughest patches of dry skin and eczema. I swear, it is a miracle product. 
Also, if you're looking for a fun Valentine's themed gift set you could possibly give to your kids or to anyone else in your life, the Tubby Todd Valentine's Collection is out now, which includes adorable heart-themed packaging and even heart-shaped bath bombs. So fun. You can get 10% off anything on the Tubby Todd website by using the code 3IN30TT, that's all caps, 3IN30TT at tubbytodd.com. I'm so honored to be partnering with this wonderful company this month, and I can't wait to tell you even more about them in the coming weeks. To browse their full catalog of clean bath products for families, go to tubbytodd.com, and don't forget to use the code 3IN30TT for 15% off. And now on to this week's episode about how to accept when your partner doesn't speak your love language. Here we go. As I mentioned, Ryan and I have opposite love languages. And for a while, I think that this caused quite a bit of resentment in my marriage because I just felt like it wasn't too much to ask for him to learn how to love me in the way that I wanted to be loved. I'm like, I need words of affirmation. This should be important to him because it's important to me. You know, he could like set a little timer on his phone to remind him to send a loving text or, you know, I... In my mind, I had all of these ways that he could do this for me if he really wanted to. And when I was stuck in that mindset, I really just felt resentment. And so I have really come to peace and accepted the fact in the last little while that it's okay that we don't speak the same love language. And today I want to share three takeaways for how I've come to this place of not just acceptance, but also genuine respect um, for the ways that my husband shows me love. So first of all, let's do a really quick overview of the five love languages. I don't want to spend too much time on this because I think most people are familiar with this concept. It comes from a book called The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman, and it's basically the natural way that we give and receive love. And the five that he defined are through words of affirmation, physical touch, quality time, gifts, and acts of service. And of course, all of us want to receive love in all of those ways, but it is true that we tend to lean more towards one or two as the primary ways that we feel the most loved. To determine what yours is or what your spouse's is, you can take a quiz online, um, but you also, I think, can just think hard about them and you can kind of figure it out on your own. So what do you do if your love language does not match with your spouse's? This is takeaway number one, and it is to tune in to hear their expressions of love. They are speaking love to you, even if it's not in words. Think about those other love languages, gifts, acts of service, physical touch, words of affirmation, and what was the last one? Quality time. Um, and really try to tune in and look for those expressions of love that they may be giving you so naturally, it's just who they are, that you're just kind of used to it and you almost don't count it, which isn't fair because <laughs> it should count even if it's just who they are. So really get tuned in and you're listening and you're watching for the ways that they show love. It can be really easy to overlook what comes naturally to your spouse. For example, my husband, Ryan, has always been super helpful. He's always been so good at acts of service. For example, when he was in dental school in Buffalo, New York, 
and there was a lot of snow, he would pull my car out of the driveway and and before he left for school, he'd pull my car out and turn it around so that it would be easy for me to get out of our narrow driveway with the big snowdrifts around it because he knows that I am terrible at backing out, period, anytime, but especially when there's big snowdrifts and he didn't want me to get stuck. I mean, such a thoughtful thing to think of. Um, he's also very quick to just like see that the laundry bins are overflowing and to start laundry and to make me a smoothie and leave it on the counter. And because it comes so naturally to him, I may just take it for granted. Whereas other women would be like, wow, I would love for my husband to do things like that. Whereas I might look at their husbands and be like, oh, I would love for my husband to plan dates or to write me love letters or to do this, this and this that comes naturally to their husband. Whereas I need to value what comes naturally to my own husband and to really hear all the ways that he's speaking love every single day. One phrase that's come to mind to me when I've started to feel resentful that I feel like I'm not being appreciated or loved as well as I should be, a phrase that's popped into my head is to have ears to hear and eyes to see what my spouse is doing for me. And I looked that up and it's actually a biblical phrase. And I think whether or not you're religious, the message is really impactful. It's from Matthew 13, 15 through 16. It says, for this people's heart is waxed gross and their ears are dull of hearing and their eyes they have closed. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. And so when I read that, first of all, I'm like, my heart is waxed gross. Like I kind of offended by that. Like, <laughs> But then I looked up the definition of gross and it says thick, dense, or heavy is what gross means. And so I think sometimes when your heart is waxed gross, like when your heart is heavy and the relationship has maybe gotten complicated or congested by life or you're sad about other things going on, that your ears can become dull and your eyes can start to close to the wonderful things that your spouse is doing for you and who they are. Um, gross also means of or concerning only the broadest or most general considerations. And so basically what that means is that you're looking at an overall view of something instead of focusing in on specifics and on moments. And so you may be making generalizations about your spouse. Like he is always this way. He never does this. Whereas it's like, no, look a little harder, look a little more carefully. And you'll see there are specific moments where he really is speaking love to me. If I just have ears to see and eyes to hear, wait, other way around. And, um, so one thing that you can do is you can keep like a gratitude journal or a notebook and write down moments when your spouse served you or said something really kind to you. And you can pray for help and ask God to give you eyes to see and ears to hear the way that your spouse is speaking love to you. A friend of mine shared a personal story with me that I think illustrates this principle really well. She had listened to my episode that aired last February called Speaking Your Partner's Love Language with Celeste Davis, who's the founder of the Marriage Laboratory blog and the co-host with her husband 
of the Marriage Therioke podcast. And she came on my show last year to talk about love languages and how we can experiment with showing love to our spouses in different ways. So my friend said she had just listened to that episode and the love languages were on her mind. And one night she was super discouraged and feeling so down on herself and you know, we all get that way and said to her husband, I just don't even like who I am. I'm such a failure. I just, I need to go to bed right now because like this day just needs to end and I need a fresh start tomorrow. And so she went up to bed just feeling so down and depressed and discouraged and was all settled in and ready to go to bed. Her husband came up, he got ready too, and he got in bed with her and snuggled up to her And after a minute, she realized, like, he was stroking her arm, and she realized that he was making a move on her, (laughs) and that he wanted to have sex. And she was like, what the heck? How insensitive can you be? Like, I just told you that I'm feeling so awful about myself, and I just want to go to bed, and then you come up here, and basically, you know the way she was seeing it was you want something from me and I like you are selfish. But then this discussion of love languages suddenly came into her mind and she realized that her husband is very physical and physical touch person and that it could be that in that moment he was actually trying to show her love He was not trying to take anything from her. He was trying to reassure her and show her love. And I think that this goes right back to the episode that we had on the podcast with Dr. Jennifer Finlayson Fife, What Happened to My Sex Drive and What Can I Do to Get It Back, where she talked about how sometimes women can have a mindset where they're like, I feel so touched out at the end of the day. Why does my husband want more from me? And Dr. Fife says, if you can reverse that mindset and think, my husband wants to take care of me, and this is something I can do for myself and allow someone to take care of me for once, that that can dramatically improve your sex life. So my friend had this realization that maybe her husband was trying to show her love. So the next day she told me that she wanted to verify this sort of aha moment that she'd had. And so she asked him without giving him any like leading, this is what I'm thinking. And can you verify whether or not it's true? She didn't give him any of that. She just said, hey, last night um, when you came to bed and, you know, what was that about or what were you thinking? And he said, well, I felt so sad when you were saying all of those mean things about yourself, I just wanted to make it make you feel better and show you that I love you. And it's just like, ding, 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 ding. I mean, huge shift to realize that sometimes we as spouses speak love to each other differently, but we are speaking love to each other. And so to have that soft eyes and that soft heart to really see all of the ways that our spouse is trying to show us love and hear the ways that they're trying to speak love to us. So that is takeaway number one. Your spouse is speaking love to you. Are you hearing it? Takeaway number two is to teach them how to love you well 
without expectation that they will do it perfectly. But you can't expect them to be mind readers. They have a natural way that they feel and show love, and maybe it just doesn't occur to them to show you love in the way that you would prefer to be shown love. So one way that I think you can teach them without being condescending or too bossy or demanding is to simply thank them for the times when they get it right. Encourage them. So, for example, when Ryan checks in on me throughout the day through a text, which means so much to me because I'm a words person, I'll just say to him something like, thank you so much for sending me a text that really lifted my spirits or I couldn't stop thinking about you all day after you sent that text. I felt really loved. That comment really meant a lot to me. Thank you. So thanking them. I also think modeling for them and sort of showing them how you love to be loved. One way that I've done this is a few years ago when I felt like Ryan and I were in a bit of a slump, not really anything was wrong, but we just, that love and feeling wasn't, the sparks weren't there. I just put a white sheet of typing paper next to his sink in the bathroom and wrote at the top, like, reasons I love you or things I was grateful for for you today or something. And I wrote one bullet point. And I think he thought that it would just be a one day thing. But then the next day, I saw that sheet there and I added another one. And then I added another one and added another one. And Ryan is bright. And so Ryan, (laughs) I, I didn't expect this. I really didn't. But he got a sheet out and put one next to my sink. And he started doing the same thing. And I was so delighted. So I was modeling for him a way to show love through words of affirmation, which isn't natural for him. And then he caught on and did it back to me. And I am not above if he hadn't had caught have caught on and that's something that I really wanted or needed. I'm not above just saying to him, hey, can we do like a sheet of paper for each other this week? Because I could really use an uplift. And if your husband is a good guy who really loves you, I don't think they're going to be mad or offended when you suggest something like that. But they can't read your mind. So sometimes you just need to speak up, model for them or say what you need. My third takeaway builds on that point in that you can't guarantee that your husband's going to change. You can't have an expectation that if you love him well or you model or encourage him in certain ways that he is then going to be able to speak your love language perfectly. That's not the case. And so I want you to remember that the only person that you can change is yourself. And this is a lesson that I learned from my mom shortly before she passed away. And this is an extremely tender memory for me because as you know, if you've listened to this podcast for very long, my mom passed away when I was 19. So I was just reaching those early young adult critical years where relationships were starting to become a big deal. I had just reached the point where I'd started to understand that I needed to ask her big questions about life. And I didn't get a chance to ask her very many. And I sometimes feel really cheated by that. But this is a story that I treasure. So what happened was my older sister was really seriously dating someone and was practically engaged. My mom and my sisters and I were sitting around the kitchen table one night chatting and we were talking about Sarah's relationship. And Sarah said, man, all I hope is that if I end up marrying him, I just hope that we're such a perfect match that we have a perfect marriage, just like you and dad, and that we never fight and that we're just soulmates, basically. And 
it was like a light bulb came on in my mom's head like oh wow okay we got to talk about this and she said Sarah I need to tell you that dad's in my marriage wasn't always perfect and it's still not but it's so much better now than it was you know 10 years ago and dad and I used to fight quite a bit actually And we were shocked because our parents just have such a loving, close relationship. So we were like, really? And I I think it's just because we don't remember because we were little. She said, when you girls were little, your dad worked so much. He was gone all the time working. He was an associate trying to make partner at a law firm. He had to be working. He was supporting the family. It's not like what he was doing was bad. But my mom was lonely and overtired and overworked, and she was resentful. And she would ask my dad to be home to help her with certain things, and then he just wouldn't be. And um, she said, like, one year we'd planned to go get the Christmas tree, and then we were all excited. These three little girls were excited, and then daddy never came home from work in time. And my mom, we were crying, and my mom was so put out. She said she just went out and bought a fake tree and said, never again. And so she said, I... I was just really pretty angry at him and at the whole situation. And I probably wasn't that pleasant to be around, honestly. She said, one day it occurred to me that your dad wasn't going to change. Like I'd married a man who was an extremely hard worker and had also picked a demanding career where he was always going to be working really hard and probably always at the office more than I would have preferred. He probably wasn't going to change. And so I could either be miserable in my marriage or I could change. And I could basically just change my mindset and decide to be happy and to decide to see the best in him and to love him and to be grateful. And she said that that decision shifted everything. That she, when he came home from work after that, She just tried to be happy and excited that he was home, whereas before she would give him the cold shoulder or sigh and say, oh, finally. From then on out, she just tried to say, oh, I'm so glad you're home. How was your day? And she just sort of shifted how she felt within herself. I remember that she started having us call him on nights when he was working late and sing to him. We would call and sing, I just called to say I love you or skid him a rink. Those were the two songs. And he just loved hearing from us. And so it was such a shift because he felt loved and valued and appreciated instead of harped on, if that makes sense. And what ended up happening was as she shifted and changed how she was behaving and feeling, she said that she sensed a shift in him as well. Whereas before when he came home, he'd kind of be on the defensive. Now he would come home excited. He'd really try to get home earlier because he just felt loved and valued by his family. And she just realized that they were so much happier. Now, I do want to say a couple of things about that story. First of all, it was understandable that my mom was so angry and upset about that situation. It was a stinking hard situation, having little kids, husband gone all the time. And on top of that, I think my mom was sick. You know, she had been diagnosed with breast cancer 
when I was six. And so I'm sure in, during part of those years, my mom didn't feel very good. And I, I don't know how my parents navigated all of that. When my, when my mom was in active treatment, obviously my dad was there for her. But even when she was in remission, I think she never really felt that good. And she probably had every right to be angry and resentful. But she just realized that she wasn't happy living that way. So it wasn't even like she decided to change for him so much as she decided to change for herself. And that blessed everything else, the decision to be happy. I also want to emphasize that this principle is not true in a marriage where there's any sort of abuse or emotional control and manipulation going on. In those situations, I know my mom would not advise me or anyone to focus on changing themselves. She would say, you need to leave and you need to love yourself and have enough self-respect to get away from that relationship that is hurting you and demeaning you. But my dad was a good person and a good husband and a good dad who just worked a lot. And you know what? There are worse vices. So my mom decided to forgive him for that, to love him and cherish him. And she taught us that night around the kitchen table to, in every relationship, think about how we could change even just our mindset if we were unhappy and start looking for the good and choosing love because ultimately the only person that you can change is yourself. So those are my three takeaways for how to accept when your spouse doesn't speak your love language. The first is to really notice their unique expressions of love. Tune in, listen hard, have eyes to see and ears to hear, and don't just take for granted the things that they always do that come naturally to them. Second, teach them how to love you well without the expectation that they will do it perfectly. And you can do that by thanking them when they get it just right or modeling for them in a way that's replicable how to love you well. And then third, remember that ultimately the only person that you can change is yourself and choose love and gratitude and choose to see your spouse through kind eyes and a loving heart. Thank you so much, my friends, for listening to that Encore episode, which I originally aired two years ago. That's so hard to believe. I hope it was inspiring to you as we head into Valentine's month. As I was preparing this episode to re-air it, I got to thinking about a tool that Ryan and I recently started using to make words of affirmation a more regular part of our weekly routines, and that is the Loom Connection Journal from Promptly Journals. Within this journal, there are three questions for you to answer each week on one side of the page, and then on the other side of the page, your partner answers the same three questions. And you can read over each other's responses or read them aloud to each other, however you want to do it. All the questions were curated by a John Gottman trained relationships expert. So they are really impactful for truly getting to know and connect with your partner. When I first heard about this journal, I'll admit I thought that Ryan would never go for it. It seemed a little bit corny or warm and fuzzy for him. But then a friend who also loves words of affirmation like I do told me what an incredible difference it was making in her marriage and how much she loved reading her husband's words each week. So I decided to ask Ryan if we could give it a try. So far, we are really loving it. And Ryan laughs at me (laughs) when I say, oh, and I snuggle up to him after reading his thoughts in our journal. I don't know why he is still surprised by how much I love those words of affirmation, but it has brought us closer together. 
If you think this might be something that you would like, I'll put my affiliate link in the show notes for Promptly Journals. This could be a great Valentine's gift for your partner. And I'll also add that they have these types of connection journals for parents to use with their kids as well. So you write on one side of the page and then your kid writes on the other side. You could give these journals to your children on Valentine's Day with a little love note written in the front. I've always thought of Valentine's as an opportunity to celebrate family love, not just romantic love. And my family actually has some really fun traditions to do that, which you can hear about in episode 65 of the podcast, Three Easy Valentine's Traditions for the Whole Family, if you're interested. However you feel about Valentine's Day, please know that I am thinking of you this month and always. I hope you're feeling cherished by the people closest to you, and I hope you have a beautiful week with your family.